Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast. We'd like to thank you for taking a few moments out of your day to listen to what God is doing here in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. We hope today's message will be encouraging and uplifting to you. To learn more about Simple Church, maybe you'd like to be our guest for a service, please visit our website at www.simplechurchohio.com. There you'll find more information about us, location, service times, and even online giving opportunities. And now, here's today's message. There's a few of you. I saw some hands go up very, very slowly. It's mine. How many of you guys haven't even started your Christmas shopping yet? Okay. You guys are still hunting for that perfect gift for your pastor, huh? Yeah, I gotcha. I gotcha. Well, I, actually, my family and I were able to open our presents uh, already, and uh, we, we, we do this Christmas Eve, and we did it before we came tonight. And I just got to tell you, my wife, she hands me my present, and I nearly dropped it. Um, I felt like this burning sensation when she handed it to me, and she had run out of wrapping paper, and she wrapped it with the best thing she could find, and she apologized for it, but I want to just say publicly there was no exception for it. It was wrapped in blue and gold tissue paper, and I felt the burning of the Michigan colors. My scarlet and gray body was intense, so anyway... Hopefully your experience is not as bad as mine was. No, I'm just kidding. It was a wonderful present. We had a great time. We had a great time. So anyway, so we're here tonight. We're here to celebrate Christmas. And and essentially what we're doing is we're celebrating that Jesus, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, left heaven and came to earth in the form of a baby. And of course, the songs that we sing tonight, they're all about that. They they sing about his glory and, and what he did. And with Jesus being king... You know, this Lord of Lords character, we, we think of that and we, we, I think it becomes so, so like passe for us. You know, we, we know that's his title, but do we really think about what that means? Jesus is the king of all kings. And when you think about that, you think about how he left and what he left and, come, and came here with, to do. You would think that his arrival on earth would have been much more grand, Right. Instead, it was this, this, this humble beginning, this very humble and, and, and very dirty very dirty evening that began for, for Jesus. Uh, because, you know, when I think of the birth or the arrival of the king, my mind goes someplace happy. It goes someplace Disney. And I start to hear this song rise up inside of me, right? And it goes, pink pajamas, penguins on the bottom. Pink pajamas, penguins on the bottom. Pink pajamas, penguins. I get my hands involved, you know. Pink pajamas, penguins on the bottom. From the day we arrive on the planet to the minute we step into the sun. Right? Thank you. Oh, don't. You'll just encourage me and I'll keep on singing. Don't. And so I, I go to this place and I, I imagine this glorious scene with all of the animals surrounded and, and they're on Pride Rock and Simba is being hoisted high and this is a royal entry, right? This is a grand occasion, the new heir to the kingdom, the son has been born. And that's just not what Jesus came to. Even, even Prince William and Kate, there was so much fanfare and so much media coverage about that. You could not go down a grocery aisle without hearing about the arrival of their child. This is a royal birth, but, but Jesus, Jesus was not greeted by the world in this fashion at all. 
In fact, the word that more describes, or I think is more apropos for, for the arrival of Jesus, is not royal at all. It's another R word. It's redneck. <laughs> Just being honest with you, I think it's, I think it's redneck. I almost called this message a redneck Christmas because of it. And, and I, I, know, I know what you're thinking. Some of you are, are, are thinking, you know what? You're a little uncomfortable with me saying that because you're sitting out there and you're like, Pastor Aaron, don't you know you shouldn't use the term redneck? There's some here. (laughs) And and I have to be honest with you, I'm I'm not a redneck, so maybe I have no business talking about a redneck. Although, when I was a kid, uh, first of all, I was born in Steubenville in a broom closet, right? There's nothing more redneck than that, right? Steubenville in a broom closet. True story. Mom's right here. Can you confirm? Yes, broom closet. And uh, when I was younger in high school, I I listened to country music, I wore cowboy boots, Um, I had a Stetson, like I rocked, I had a bullet tie and I rocked it, you know, Garth Brooks was my man, I went to country jamborees, but I I still don't feel like rednecks would claim me, you know what I mean, as one of their own. I have a couple handguns now, like I'm getting there, I'm slowly progressing that way. So so know that I don't don't necessarily think that that redneck is is a bad term. Uh, and some of you out there, you might you might be a redneck too, you know, you, you, or you're at least progressing that direction. Like if if you if you're not sure if you're a redneck, let me let me help you with a few ideas. If you own a home with wheels on it and several cars without them, you might be a redneck. If your wife have ever has ever said, "Come move this transmission so I can take a bath," you might be a redneck. <laughs> If someone asks to see your ID and you show them your belt buckle, you might be a redneck. If the only condiment on the kitchen table is the value size bottle of ketchup, you might be a redneck. Or the economy size, the big ones, you know. And then I would say if you were born in a barn and laid in an animal trough, you might be a redneck. So don't get all uptight. Rednecks don't get upset when you call them a redneck. In fact, if you find a redneck and you say, you're a redneck, they go, thank you. Right? So no, whether, you, no, whether you're, you're here tonight and you think redneck is a, is a, a term of endearment or an insult, it, it, it doesn't matter. You really have to think about this and agree that Christmas was pretty redneck. It, it really was. Like, look at the, the situation here. Jesus was literally born in a barn. He was literally born in a barn. We sing about his birth like it was something beautiful, right? We talk about the evening and like, you know, we see these precious moments dolls. Like we see the nativity scene, you know what I'm saying? And the precious moment dolls with the really big eyes and it looks so serene. It looks really great. But that's really not what the scene was like, right? It's, that's not what it was. I mean, for crying out loud, there was a cow in the delivery room. And we sing about it and we say, the cattle are lowing the... Whatever, I don't know the words. Yeah, sir. But, but what does lowing mean? Like, okay, we think about a cow or like, like that's okay, that's a comforting sound. Even a sheep, right? Like we can deal with that. But if you have a goat, if you have a goat nearby, Will, why don't you show us, if you've never heard a goat, this is what a goat genuinely sounds like. So, Go with me here. I imagine Mary sounded like that when she was bearing down. But your delivery room 
has an echo, and it is a goat. It's okay, let it out. It's all right. It's all right. And so, so, so the scene is, is, is very redneck. You know, Jesus, here it's Jesus. He's raised in a town called Nazareth. And uh, Nazareth is about 10 acres of land, right? There's about 300 people that live there. And they were not one of the cities on the map that would have had indoor plumbing or any kind of plumbing at all or sewage, sewage waste system. And so there's a lot of outhouses, right? If you've ever used flashlight and shoes to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night, you might be a redneck, right? This is Jesus. He was born a poor, he was born to a poor, unwed teenage mother. Instead of a doctor there to deliver them, he had the, the calloused hands of a carpenter to deliver him. The 70 mile trip from Nazareth to Bethlehem was not on a private jet, you know, for a royal arrival. It was not, not even uh, a bus ticket for Mary. We assume being as pregnant as she was that she rode on a donkey. Right? I don't know. The, just the ladies, just before they're ready to have the child, they don't want to do any walking. They want to be in the wheelchair, right? And so she's she's got the modern day wheelchair. She's on a donkey, we believe, being as pregnant as she was. And then when they get to Bethlehem, of course, the presidential suite is not available for them. They go to the inn, and there's nothing there. And so they're taken to where all the cattle and that stinking screaming goat is hanging out. And Jesus spends his first night in a manger, resting in a manger. And if you don't know what a manger is, we see it and it looks so cute. It's like, oh, that's so, that's so adorable. Isn't the manger holy? Isn't it nice? But the manger is really just a crude animal feeding trough. That's what it is. And I guarantee you the hay and what Jesus was laying on was not sanitary in any way. I, I promise you. And so you can, you can see that this was... This was, that if they had a choice to be somewhere else, they probably would have chosen to be elsewhere. And so the question comes to mind, and what we're going to consider tonight, is why all the redneck circumstances that surrounded Christmas? Because up until his arrival on earth, generation after generation had been looking for the Christ. They had been looking for the Messiah to arrive on the earth. From, from, and, and from the beginning of time, God had put this plan in motion. And yet it seems like one thing after another makes it feel less and less royal. It feels lowly. It feels humble. Perhaps the exp- explanation point would be the shepherds. Let's go to the, to the, to the word. We're going to be in Luke 2 and 8 through 10. The verses will be up here on the screen. And it says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy. See, the the shepherds, which is who the angels appeared to, were the original rednecks. They lived outside in isolated areas for months at a time. It was like a full-on, all-out camping trip. Like it never ended for the time they were out there. They were not highly regarded. They were not clean-cut, sharp-dressed professionals. They were looked down upon by the religious community and considered to be unclean, so much so that they were not allowed to be witnesses in court. The shepherd would have been synonymous with dirty and smelly. And yet this is who the angels appeared to. These are who God chose to declare and announce that Jesus was here. If you were a religious scholar during the time and you had studied the coming Messiah, it would have been unthinkable that God would have chosen to announce this to the shepherds. And yet, they're the first ones on the scene. The wise men don't come until much later. 
They, they don't show up at the same time. We see the nativity scene and we always think, oh, there's the shepherds, there's the wise men, all this happened at once. The star led them in this, this beautiful convergence that we put on our shelves at Christmas time. But that's, that's not what happened. That's not accurate. The wise men came later. And so the first ones on the scene are, of course, the shepherds. And when they show up, they come just as they are. They haven't cleaned. They haven't changed their clothes. They would have been unshaven. They would have smelled. They maybe even brought some more stinking goats with them. But they show up out of the fields just to greet baby Jesus. And these are the first ambassadors that are sent out to tell the world that Jesus is here. Because think about it, that's what happens. They go and meet Jesus and then they go tell everyone that they've met Christ. And this is who God chooses to do that. So why the shepherds? Why the humble circumstances? I think the answer and the secret is in verse 10. Let's look again. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. See, it isn't just for the well-educated and the well-behaved. It's for all people. It isn't just for the well-mannered and the well-dressed. It's for all people. It isn't just for those with strong marriages, healthy families, and gainful employment. It's for all people. It isn't just for those who have a good credit score. It's for all people. All the people everywhere. So, so here's what's happening. God is making a statement that in choosing the shepherds, that everyone is included. Isn't that great? It would have been so easy for the religious scholars expecting the birth of Jesus to say, well, that present is for me, right? That, that, that present, that Jesus came just for me, just for us. And it would have been easy for the Jewish community to claim him as their exclusive Messiah, to say, no, he's not for you, he's not for other people, he's just for the Jews. But Jesus comes and the shepherds are the first ones who see him and proclaim his birth because Jesus wants to make it clear from the beginning he is for all people. That he is for all people. Now, some of you are first-time guests with us tonight, and, uh, and there are many of you who call this place your church home, but I know what some of you are thinking. I, I saw the looks from you. You took one look at me and when I announced that I was the lead pastor, if you're unfamiliar with me, and you thought, hmm, you know, that guy's not really dressed up as nice as he could be for Christmas Eve, right? But some of you, some of you looked at me, saw me, and was like, ah, that's how Aaron always dresses. Others of you saw it and thought, well, it's a little out of place. He could have put a collared shirt on or something. But, you know, you weren't offended. And then there are others of you here that if you were being honest with yourself, you noticed it, and you might be a little offended. Well, that's just unacceptable. How dare he come to the Christmas Eve service in jeans, Chuck Taylors, and a T-shirt? You are upset if you're being honest. And, you know, and that's okay. Don't, I don't want you to try to deny it, but I want you to know this first. That Christmas is for all people. It's not just for the people who talk like you, who look like you, who dress like you, or worship like you, or listen to the same music as you. It's not just for people with your color skin or your favorite football team. Although I'm pretty sure Jesus is not for Michigan fans. I'm not, I'm, I, it's not biblical, it's not clear, but, but everyone else... Christmas is for all people. And I think that we lose sight of that. I think everything and everyone 
about that first Christmas seemed out of place. And Jesus is born in a stable, laid in a manger, and announced to shepherds. And if you would have been part of the religious community, that, that whole idea would have seemed completely out of place to you. You would have been offended to stand there and kneel with the king, with shepherds standing nearby. The religious community of the day would have completely missed the point because they would have been offended that there was somebody that was stinky and not as well-dressed as them standing there. It would have been offensive to them that Jesus would have come that way, and that's not the way that he should have done it. They they would say, he's a king. The shepherds would not have felt welcome because they weren't welcome in the temple. They were considered unclean, not not dressed the, the way that they were, not smelling the way that they smelled. But they are the first ones on the scene when Jesus is born. And the religious elite would have had a hard time seeing baby Jesus. And in doing that, they would have missed the point of it all. Jesus, not just in coming, is telling of his love for us, but in how he came, he's telling of his love for us. And here's the message that no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter how you look or where you're from, Christmas is for you. Jesus came for you. He is for all the people. Now there are some some products uh, in this world that should be for all people. There's some some items in the market that you could buy that really that I feel like should be for all people. And um, but but they're not. They're marketed to a select few. You know, for for those who can afford it. And uh, I want you to check out a couple products that I recently found. This first one uh, I think you'll find is interesting. Interesting. It's called Bling H2O. Bling H2O. Now it's just water. It's just water, but it comes in a fancy bottle, as you can see. It's got little diamonds on the outside of it, and, uh, and it's fancy. Here's what the ad says about this water. More than a pretty taste, Bling H2O is pop culture in a bottle. It's not for everyone, just for those that bling. Ordinary bottled water is for ordinary people, but for those who have a taste for the finer things, Bling H2O may be the perfect thirst quencher. That's the ad for this, right? They have claimed this as their own because this is just water. Do you know how much this bottle of water goes for? $50. It's water. And you can buy some of their other bottles of water, the same water bottled from the same place. Oh, no place exotic, by the way, in the, in the, in the Smoky Mountains in Tennessee. And they have bottles that go for upwards of $480. Do you know who drinks this? Do you know when you look at the other pictures of this? Paris Hilton and all the others. They have claimed something that should be for everybody as exclusive. Look, I found another product as well. You're going to love this. This is called, uh, it's just toilet paper. And I think we can all agree that toilet paper really should be for everybody, right? If it's not, just know that it is. If you don't think that, there's some rolls in the bathroom. Take one, please. You're making everybody uncomfortable with your disagreement that it's for everyone. But here's what the ad says about this. This is Renova paper, toilet paper. Elegant, sophisticated, rebellious. Alternative, 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 I'm having a hard time saying it. Alternative and eternally fashionable. Black toilet paper isn't for everyone, but it is synonymous with sophistication and style. 
Why waste your time with so last season white two-ply when you can treat your cellulite-free gym-toned tush to stylish black? That's the ad. Do you know how much this goes for? $16 a roll. That is literally flushing money down the toilet. I needed a rim shot up here. Somebody should have, I should have had that. But something that should be for everyone, but, but people have claimed it and said, no, 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 this isn't for you. This is only for a certain group of people. And I think that there are those of us that would want to do that with Jesus, right? They want to do that with Jesus, but Jesus comes and says that he is for everybody. And there are those who say, no, he's only for people who follow the rules. No, he's only for people who haven't made certain mistakes or that he's only for the people who look a certain way. But from the beginning, Jesus says that those things simply aren't true. In Galatians 3.28, Paul says, There is neither Jew nor Greek nor slave nor free. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ. In other words, from the beginning, Jesus made it clear that he doesn't he, that, that, that you could be a king from a foreign land bringing gold to lay at his feet, or you could be a smelly shepherd from the fields, and that all you've brought with you is adoration and honor. And Jesus says, you are welcome. So on this Christmas Eve, I think there's a few things that Jesus, who is for all people, would say to us. First, he would want to say, no matter, who, no matter what you are going through, excuse me, he knows what it's like. That's the first thing. When Jesus was born into this world, he wasn't born to a princess and raised in a palace. He didn't have special privileges. He went from a palace to a stable, from as high as he could go to as low as he could go. He was born in a stable to a poor teenage mother. And that's not what you would expect when God comes to earth. But from the beginning, Jesus did not exempt himself from the hardships of life. He endured them so that no matter what you are going through or what challenges you are experiencing, Jesus can say to you, I know what that's like. I, I, know, I know what that's like. It says in Hebrews 4, 15 through 16, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who is tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. In other words, because Jesus is our high priest, because that's Jesus that they're talking about, because he was tempted in every way just like me and you and yet he didn't sin, we can come to him boldly and say, hey, this is what I'm going through. And he doesn't look at us and point the finger of shame and say, man, you've got yourself into a mess. He doesn't say, how dare you? He doesn't say, couldn't you just held on a little more and not give it in to that temptation? He doesn't chide us. He says, I, I understand. I, I've been there. I, I've been there. And when life is hurting us and beating us down, we can go to him because he knows what it's like. And some of you are here tonight because that's the message he wants you to know. You're going through this alone, or at least you feel like you, you are, but you don't have to. You feel overwhelmed because you're carrying the weight, but Jesus, he wants to... Shoulder it for you. Maybe things are, are tight financially and you've been struggling to, to find the ends, let alone make the ends meet. And Jesus says, I know what that's like. I was born poor. And some of you feel like you can't get a fair shot and there are things against you that are out of your control, like circumstances and things happening to you that are not your fault. You've had nothing to do with it, but you feel like you're always just two strikes down. 
And Jesus would say that I know what that's like. I began my life sleeping in a feeding trough. Or maybe you say, my family doesn't understand me. Jesus would say, I've been there. Or maybe, maybe it's that your closest friends have abandoned you in your time of need. When you really needed them the most, you say, they let me down. And Jesus would say, hey, I know what that's like. When I needed my friends, not only did they, they, did they betray me, but they abandoned me as well and left me alone in my greatest time of need. I understand what you're going through. Another thing I think Jesus would want to say to all people is, is that no matter what you've done, he loves you. He loves you. That's the message of Christmas. It is God's love for us. For God so loved the world, that's us people, that he gave his only son. But as we look at these surprising circumstances around the birth of his son, it truly shows the depth of his love. I mean, does that make sense to you? Because Jesus could have just gone from heaven to a palace, and that would have been a great sacrifice, right? Because think about the glories of heaven to an earthly palace. That would have been a great sacrifice. But Jesus didn't stop there. He goes even further, and Philippians 2 says that Jesus made himself nothing for us. He made himself nothing for us and did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. In other words, he could have come to this earth in a position of authority. He could have come here and exerted his will and his power over all of us and made us subject to him, made us follow him. Instead, he came lowly and humble and says, I love you, and wants us to, leaves it open for us to love him back and follow him. He made himself nothing for us. And that shows us his love. And let me say it this way. The depth of a person's love is determined by their level of sacrifice. If you want to know if someone loves you, that tells the story. Sacrifice. What will they give up for you? And Jesus made it clear how deeply he loves you by what he sacrificed. That he went from the highest to the lowest. From the throne room of heaven to the manger of a stable. And in doing so, he made it clear that there's no distance that he won't travel, no sacrifice that he won't make because of his love for you. And this love is for all people. You know, when I went to get my first car loan, I walked into the bank and, uh, and I sat down with the loan officer. And uh, I remember being a little scared. I can't remember if my parents were there or not. But I went in and I filled out an application. And as I'm reading over the application, if you've ever filled out an application, you know what I'm talking about. There's so many lines and so many numbers that they want. Like, how much income do you have? And I'm like, I don't even know what that number is. So many things that they asked me that I wasn't sure of, so I left them blank or put a zero in the spot. And when it came time to get the approval, they processed my application and looked at me and said, sorry, we can't, we can't give you the loan. And I eventually, I eventually had to have my dad come in and co-sign for me and, uh, and you know, get the, the couple thousand dollars that I needed. And he was, he was kind of a sure, sure that it was, a, it was a good deal to do that. I mean, it was buying the car from him after all. And, um, but, but I wasn't able to get it on my own because I had no credit. I didn't have bad credit. I just had no credit. So I, I couldn't do that on my own. I wasn't worthy of it. I didn't deserve it because loans are for certain people. For, they're for a certain people with a certain credit history, right? And, and they're, they're for people who can show things on paper because it's not for everyone. 
And I think that's what we do with the gift of Jesus, right? We don't want this gift to be for all people. We want people to come to church. We want them to pay their dues. We want them to get their spiritual credit up. We want them to clean themselves up. And then maybe, maybe they should be included. Maybe they should be included in this. But that's not how the gospel works. And that is not why Jesus came. He loves you just the way you are. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We loved him because he first loved us. You know, I've never had this happen to me, but I hear pastors all over. They have people come to them and they say, I want to become a member or I want to be a, be a member of this church. How do I do that? Is there an application that I have to fill out? Or, or essentially they want to know how much is it going to cost me to be a member of the church. And, and, and the answer to that is nothing. It will cost you nothing to be a member of a church. To, be, to come here and attend and to be a, a member of the body of the Christ, to accept the free gift that Jesus offers, it, it will cost you nothing. There's no application to fill out. There's no equal housing lender or non-discriminatory statements to be read. Because in truth, Jesus came to do away with the application process. He came to do away with that. He came to pay the price in full because none of us could afford it. None of us are credit worthy anyway. And so Jesus came to take our credit history in exchange for his own. So we stand before God blameless and without fault if Jesus is the Lord of our lives. My prayer is this, that this church would look a lot like the first Christmas looked. That this place would be a place where people could come to see Jesus. Where there's not one person more important than the other. You know, you may be a redneck. You may be young. You may be old. You may be single. You may be single and wishing you were married. You may be married. You may be married and wishing you were single. You may be divorced or maybe you're widowed. You may be living on food stamps or you may be living from a trust fund. You may have your PhD or you may be trying to get your GED. You may wear suits and ties or you may, like me, prefer jeans and t-shirts. Amen to that. You may be a Republican or you may be a Democrat. You may listen to rock or rap or country music or you may have grown up Baptist or Catholic or Lutheran or Methodist or Presbyterian or maybe even nothing at all. It doesn't matter because Christmas is for you. Jesus came for all people. Don't ever let anybody tell you any different. Christmas is being celebrated all around the world right now. In Vietnam, they're huddled around a basement reading from their smuggled Bibles. Orphans in Haiti are celebrating Christmas. It's being celebrated in remote jungles in Africa, in addiction recovery centers. Christmas is being celebrated in cancer wards and hospitals. It's being celebrated by thousands of Christians in concentration camps in North Korea. Christmas is being celebrated at all of our state correctional facilities. See, the humble stable, smell the odor of the animals and shepherds 
And here are the sheep and that daggone goat. And a baby maybe crying as well. Make your way to the manger this Christmas. Take a knee. It doesn't matter how you're dressed or how you look. It doesn't matter what you've done or where you're from. You are welcome. I invite you to look down and see God in the flesh lying in a feeding trough. Touch his brow. Feel his soft skin. But remember that thorns will one day be jammed into that same head. See his soft cheeks, but don't forget that one day a soldier will beat him beyond recognition and spit in his face. Put a hand on his tiny shoulder and remember that one day that same shoulder will carry a cross. And hear God whisper to you this Christmas, no matter what you're going through, I know what it's like. No matter what you've done, I still love you. I bring you good news of great joy. That will be for all the people. A Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Let's pray. First, I want to say, if you're here tonight, with every head bowed and every eye closed, we're going to pray. But if you're here tonight and, and you've never said, Jesus, be Lord of my life, you've, you, you've, you've never in, said, I welcome you. Just know that you can do that. You can make that commitment quietly at your seat now. If that's you, I'll just give you a quick opportunity. I don't want to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out or ask you your name or your story. I just want to know if that's you. If you're thinking, you know, I... I need to make that commitment in my life. I need to say yes to this gift. If that's you, would you, would you slip your hand up? Let's do it now. If there's anybody here. And for those of us that are here, I, you know, Jesus wants us to know that, that this is for everyone. If you're somebody who says, man, I, I've been putting a, an application out there for somebody, or I've, I've been qualifying people myself and calling them unworthy, we have an opportunity to repent of that. And so I'm going to pray and, and we're going to close out this service tonight. But if that's you, just confess that in your heart. Lord, we thank you for the gift you gave us at Christmas. Your son. I thank you for this, this gathering here tonight of people that have come to celebrate what you did for us. Lord, as we turn our hearts and our mind and our thoughts to you today, be among us. Let our hearts be alive with your love, and may we give it and share it, just like the shepherds did. And may we ultimately come to a place where we bow before you today in our hearts, because you are King of kings and Lord of lords, and we thank you for all that you have done to show us your love for us. Be with us as we travel this week and as we go and spend time with other family members. May we be carriers of your love. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, the magic of the holiday season is that uh, it's traditions. And this year we are going to start a new tradition. And uh, for this, we will need a candle. And uh, so we have candles. If you've got your candles, get your candles out.